Hey brokers, it's Mark Summers, president of AIM. I'm excited to announce that I will be the new host of AIM's podcast, Broker to Broker. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators, just like me. Download today, available on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Broker to Broker podcast. My name is Mark Summers. I'm the president of AIM. So, you know, all of my guests have been absolutely phenomenal, uh, you know, but this one I'm also looking extremely forward to. Uh, the, the the pre-conversation that we had was phenomenal. It was easy, uh, different way of looking at business, different way of, of kind of doing things, which I'm always interested in because I know it's going to make us better. So today I'm going to be interviewing the broker owner of Stewardship Mortgage, Grant Botma. How you doing? Good, man. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, the the pre-conversation was a lot of fun and I've been looking forward to this conversation all week. It's going to be great. Well, I know you you have a wealth of knowledge. You're you're obviously really successful, so, you know, and I always try to keep these around a certain time and I there's a ton I want to cover with you, so I'm going to hop right into it. My favorite thing about this is trying to find out, well, not trying, finding out how people got introduced into this industry. Um the only time as I've always said, you know, I'm not even going to get into it. I just like finding out how people get into it because no one ever says they want to be in the mortgage industry. So tell me, give me, give me your background. Yeah. Um, like everybody else, I kind of got into it on accident. Um, I was actually a credit card collector. I got that job early on in uh, my life in high school. I was a credit card collector and I experienced some success as a credit card collector. And the success that I was experiencing was because of how I was collecting rather than calling people and telling them, Hey, you owe me money, pay or else I would call people and say, Hey, what's going on? Why are you late? And I would just take notes and I'd listen and I'd never ask for money in that call. And then the next time I would call them and talk to them, I would, you know, see the notes and say, Hey, uh, did you find a job yet? Or how's your, your leg? Are you out of the cast or is your grandma? Okay. Or whatever. And the next thing I know, just because I would build relationships with these people that were past due when they got money, they called me and my inbound phone line was like ringing off the hook. So I'm a, high schooler working part-time as a credit card collector, experiencing success and getting recruited. And this guy that I was going to church with, he heard about that success and uh, recruited me to come work for him as a as a mortgage person. So uh, at the age of 19, I started in the mortgage world and and uh, was, was at a mortgage brokerage uh, basically right out of high school. Perfect. Yeah. That's, you, you sound a lot like myself, man. I, I think I got started when I was 20. In, in this business, wow. talk about eye opening when when the, he, he, you know, I still consider him a mentor when he said, hey, do you want to get involved in mortgages? I said, yeah, what what is a mortgage? I mean, I was young and dumb. I yeah. didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Now, this guy, his name was Brent McDonald. He's still a friend of mine. Um, great guy. I really appreciate him. It was weird, man. When you're 19 years old and especially when you have kind of like a baby face like mine, Back then, you would show up to people's homes to have to get the application signed in person, right? There's no DocuSign or signing and sending back to you. So I'd like go to people's homes, knock on their door, and I'd be like, "Hey, we're here to, you know, get your mortgage application signed." And they'd like look behind me, like, "Well, where's your dad?" You know, like <laughs> they thought I was, the, you know, it took me a while to earn some respect. So it was, it was, it was uh, interesting. That's great. That's great. All right, so. I know, I know for a fact uh, you like hiring. I know you like building a team. Tell me a little bit mm -hmm. about your company, and then we're going to get into that. 
Yeah. So stewardship is a group of home loan insurance and investment advisors. And I like to say that we serve our community with wisdom and love. So we're helping people in many areas of their finances. Uh, but the mortgage company is what I started first. So as a result, because it's been around the longest, it's probably the, the most developed. Uh, the total number of people on our team, um, we have about 20-ish, a little over uh, W2 staff members, but then we have a, a number of 1099 people that we contract out and work with. Um, but the success of stewardship is because of the team. Um, it would not be where it is right now. We would not have made the impact that we've made in our community um, if it wasn't for the team. Uh, my team is everything. And I have a crazy amount of pride about them. And uh, they're really, really good at what they do. So, yeah, that's that's stewardship. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, and, and when you obviously talk about mortgage companies and mortgage broker shops that you're 100 percent correct and i've been preaching this one for many many years uh which is you know the the value of your company is within your team it's it's not just one person it's it's the team so no i and yeah. I, I love the team aspect of it so obviously you have 20 20 people in the on the mortgage side how, how do you attract that type of talent yeah so um i do it differently i think than most people um i don't use money um, I am not trying to create the highest paying and the best comp package around to try to attract talent. I'm not trying to find somebody who's been in the industry for you know 20 years or 10 years who has success at some other retail or other brokerage shop and then attract them with a, with a great, great pay. Uh, the reason why is because I believe that attracts a selfish team members. And if you try to attract people with money, they're going to be all about that money and all about themselves. And as soon as they're offered another position where the money is more, see you later, which is then gets into that really bad stat that's in our industry that people typically don't stay at one company for longer than 2.24 years. Uh, that's terrible. And that can cost yeah. you a lot of money. So I like to attract people um, with three other things. Um, I attract people with freedom. I give a ton of pe a ton of freedom, a ton of autonomy, almost like the people on my team feel like they have their own business under mine. Right. Um, and I attract people with a lot of affirmation. You know, I give a ton of feedback to people real time, telling them how they're doing, if they're doing it right, if they're doing it wrong. Uh, I give a lot of accolades to people publicly, privately. Um, and I, and I do anything and everything I can to develop my team, um, not just as mortgage people, but as, as individuals, try to hopefully make them better uh, members of society, better uh, parents, better spouses. If they're becoming better human beings while they're here, uh, then that's a huge, huge win. And um, more than anything, what attracts people to us is our purpose. It's not just we're doing home loans here. I said before, we're doing it with wisdom and love, and that matters because if people get a bad mortgage that impacts their personal finances and if their personal finances get impacted that could potentially lead to a money fight in their relationship which could then lead to a divorce and or they have to work more and they're not having the right relationship with their kids or they can't retire at the right age and on and on it goes so we have a purpose we give people freedom and we affirm people and develop folks and that's a, a created a culture that um i have people lining up out the door who who, who would love to work here that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of, it, it kind of goes back to the thing of like, you know, when we start talking about how do you gain so many, you know, clients and consumers, you know, the people that chase the money always get burned, you know, when you just serve the client, the money comes and it's, it's pretty much the same thing that you're doing to hire your talent, which is amazing. 
Yeah, it was a weird thing too. I'd love to say like, oh, I discovered this thing and I'm so smart and that's how I did it. But I failed at first. I mean, I, I, when I started out, I tried to bring in talent and manage people the way the, you know, the manager books told me in business school. Um, I tried to do it the way everybody did. And it just did not work. And it especially didn't work for my personality and who I was as a leader. So I had to do a 180 and I really had to look in the mirror and admit some failures and uh, make sure that I made some changes to uh, to how I did things. And um, little by little, I continue making changes. It wasn't like an overnight thing, right? Uh, but I started somewhere and I kept adding to it and adapting to it. That's that's awesome. Okay. So now you got this great talent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously love your team. You you obviously love the team. They're they're worth it. They're you're you're creating, well, not creating, you're helping them be better human beings. Is that how you retain them? Or do you have any other like what else do you do to retain them? Yeah, so all of that helps with retention. Uh, but I would say the number one thing that helps with retention is constantly evaluating the answer to this question. Can my employees answer yes to this question? Does your boss genuinely care about you? I need to make sure that they can say yes to that always, right? And, and, and I evaluate that on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually base, annual basis. Does this particular employee, can they say, yes, Grant cares about me? And as long as they're saying that, it helps with retention. And our retention rate is unbelievable. Like uh, it, since the beginning that I've started Stewardship Mortgage, I've only had to fire one person. Wow. Since the beginning, since I started Stewardship Mortgage, um, I have yet to lose a producer or an originator. I've only lo- lost admin staff. And when I've lost them, it's because they decided, you know, maybe to adopt some uh, a child and they wanted to become a stay-at-home mom or, or, or they went to a different state because they just got married. You know, those are the retention issues that I deal with, not because they're leaving, going somewhere else. And I genuinely know it's because I answer, I, I focus on that answer to that question. Can my team say, yes, Grant cares about me? That's a big deal. That's awesome. Absolutely love this stuff. All right, so now you got this team, right? And and, and aim and and a lot of uh, you know a lot of our community have been you know stressing and preaching to you know build a team, hire staff, staff up, and obviously you have them. But one thing that I always focus on with my team uh, is is culture. So tell me a little bit about your culture over there, at stewardship. Yeah, um, our culture is based on four character traits. Uh, those character traits are innovation. We need people that exude that character trait of innovation, especially in the mortgage industry. You have to find ways to get things done. You have to be creative and find a way to um, solve problems in ways that other people might not be thinking about. You've got to intelligently think through that stuff and you have to know how to innovate. Another character trait that we have is transparency. You've got to be an open book. You got to be an open book to the clients to let them know what's going on, right? Because mm-hmm. that helps in educating. But if you're transparent in your relationships internally, then it turns coworker relationships into genuine friendships. The people at my office, they hang out together. You know, not not motivated by me. I mean, they 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 genuinely are friends with each other. And when you're friends with each other, all of a sudden when you're working as a team, you have to work hard because if you don't, you're letting your friend down. And that creates a social accountability. That means, man, I got to work hard. I got to make sure I'm doing what I'm doing. I got to pursue this mission with my friends, with my team, because I don't want to let them down. 
Um, so we have we have that as as a character trait. Transparency is a big deal. Another one's humility. There's a difference between confident mm -hmm. people and humble people. We're going to make sure that these people are confident, but they're not going to be arrogant. Uh, they're going to be humble. And really at the heart of humility, it comes down to our next character trait, which is love. And that really means you have to put other people's needs ahead of your own. The, the heart of every single business, the fundamental thing that's in every single business is finding a need and filling it, which is serving. And the best way to serve somebody is with selflessness. So within our business, we need to have character traits. We need to have a team of people who are selfless, genuinely putting other people's needs ahead of their own on a consistent basis. And when we're doing that together as a team, as a community, man, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it's extremely attractive, not only for, for bringing in talent, but it's really, really great way to produce an awesome product or service for your community. So yeah, our culture, it's about those four character traits. And, and when people talk about stewardship or when my team talks about uh, their job to other people or when I'm talking about who, what our culture is here, simply put, we love people. And, and our goal is to love people through finances. And uh, that's the culture of stewardship. Well, that's great. You created you created different layers, you know what I mean, for, for people. And it's not, it's not money related. I mean, personally, I hate money. You know what I mean? In terms of I just... Mm -hmm. I, worrying about it but i you know you're i'm on the same page with you i love people that's why i miss our live events because i got to meet so many people you know what i mean uh mm. but at the same time no you're 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 giving you're putting layers down that are holding people accountable how else do you hold people accountable at your company yeah accountability like i said uh before i think the most uh, powerful part of it is social accountability where i'm not having to keep people accountable right um, the, the, the biggest thing that we have at Stewardship is that purpose. We have this purpose that we're on this mission together that we know that we've got to love people through finances. And if we don't, all these injustices are going to happen in other people's lives and in our community, and it'll make a negative impact. But we're here. We wake up every day. We show up in the office every day with a purpose to make a positive impact on people's lives, right? So when we're on that mission together, just that mission alone, it keeps people accountable in a social aspect. Because if there's somebody who shows up to the office that's not giving their best, that's not genuinely putting other people's needs ahead of their own, then they're letting everyone else on the team down and they stick out like a sore thumb. And no one wants to be that guy or girl. Um, they all want to be on mission. They want to lead the way in pursuing that mission. And that social accountability is huge. That said, um, I'm a big, big believer in affirmation as a part of how I attract people. And that doesn't mean it's all about, you know, millennials and trophies here and unicorns and rainbows and gumdrops. Like we're going to give negative affirmations. We're going to course correct. And a big part of that is I don't wait every 90 days for a quarterly performance review. Mark, if you're doing something wrong, you probably want to know right away, right? Absolutely. And and, and the t people that I hire are, are, are go-getters that want to pursue this mission. So if they're doing it wrong, wait, Grant, tell me right away so I can make an adjustment right away. So we give real-time feedback uh, by having live dashboards and scoreboards that show how people are doing and what they're doing, whether it's their micro actions or their big picture actions. But the, the key is these scoreboards that have this real-time data of the things that they're doing aren't just like, hey, how many appointments did you have or how many sales did you have or how many you know, applications did you put in? We change the language of these key performance indicators to make them about real people. 
Because our mission isn't about appointments. Our mission isn't about uh, loans. Our mission is about making a, a positive impact on real people to love people through finances. So now it's like, how many people did you meet with and educate about finances, right? How many people are you now saving money because of the way that they're able to have a mortgage loan with you? How many families did you put in a better spot or households uh, did you manage their money with in 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 this particular situation, right? So it's everything is about people and that real time feedback. Um, we have uh, uh, every other week I'm meeting with all of my team on a one on one basis where I'm coaching them one on one, and we're gonna talk about issues, but we're gonna talk about great things. That that's a way of keeping them accountable. Um, I'm meeting with my team every quarter uh, with uh, either admin staff or I'm doing every quarter with my uh, customer facing sales staff. And we're going to talk about things, about struggles that they're having, about good things that they're having. Um, and then we do a lot of annual events where we get together as a team and we say, hey, this is what's going on with the company. This is where we're at. These are some of the testimonials that customers have filled out. Here's some testimonials of team members that are talking about each other. These are things that keep people accountable. Um, we try to do a lot of fun stuff too, whether it be, uh, hey, we're having a tough day. We're having a hard time, guys. Let's just roll down to the ice cream shop downstairs or the coffee shop downstairs and let's 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 get some stuff. We're, we're, we're serving people hard and sometimes that's hard work. Let's do that. Hey, we're going to go bowling next week. Uh, everybody make sure you block off two hours for lunch. Lunch is on me. We're going to go to the bowling alley and have a good time, whatever. You know, just different things like that where, where you try to create opportunities for social engagement, which creates more social accountability. But also in those events, you provide awards, you provide accolades. And uh, don't be scared uh, throughout the days and throughout the weeks to give real-time feedback and course corrections if they're doing something wrong. Man, that's amazing. I love that. I love it. I absolutely love this. This is great. The way you, you're holding people accountable, it's you're putting it back on them, but then also you have the ability to correct them to make sure that they're becoming better human beings. I love it. You know, and then when I when I talk to my guys in my office uh, and my staff, you know, it, we we always talk about always keep in mind that arguably probably over 90 percent of the people that we are serving, you know, this is the biggest financial decision of their lives. And we're, we're mm -hmm. changing lives. You know, you, it may sound dumb, but technically we are changing lives. Oh, it's not sound dumb. You you genuinely are. This is not me trying to make up some story and I'm slinging some BS. Like this is real. I mean, a, a, a loan, a home loan is the biggest debt they'll ever take on in their life. And for many people, it's the cornerstone of their finances or at least something that jump starts them to potentially building real wealth, right? That is a an actual fact. And it's an actual fact that the number one cause of divorce is money fights, right? Like mm -hmm. it's an actual fact that people have to work more hours because they're trying to pay their mortgage and that then prevents them from spending time with their children. Like these are real things and it is an absolute big deal. It's one of the reasons why I even came on this podcast, Mark. I believe in what AIM is doing. I believe in the broker channel because you cannot argue with me. The number one best way to obtain a home loan is through an independent mortgage broker and that is a fact. You can bring your arguments, retail channel. Come come with it because I will argue you right now and I'll make you feel about this big. You will lose in this argument to me. And the people that are listening to this podcast are the people that need to be empowered. So to me, it's an honor to come on the show and try to share any wisdom that I have. So hopefully in their communities, they can impact more families and more households because that's going to make the world a better place. I believe that, man. That's 
Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. I'm side by side. Yeah. Um, God, I don't even know where to really go from here. I do and I don't. There's so much. Uh, okay. I'm a big goal setter. Okay. okay. Uh, I've, I've preached it as well. Uh, you know, I think goals are really important to have them written down, to have a plan of action for them, realistic stretch goals, all this stuff. How do you go through your goal setting process? So I don't uh, necessarily believe in creating longer term goals. I think you should talk about where you want your life to be and have a vision for that. Um, but it's really hard to create a goal outside of 90 days okay? because um, you're going to have a hard time touching it and feeling it. But more importantly, our world and our society is changing and adapting and moving like crazy. So a goal that you make now that you want to try to accomplish 10 years from now, five years from now, or even a year from now, there's a good chance life will change in such a way that it'll at the very least require an adjustment to that goal. Now, let's say you have a vision of where you want to be in five years or 10 years or a year. In my opinion, you create a goal of 90 days that might help you get there. Right. A 90-day goal that is visual, that you're seeing every day, that not only is like a goal of I want to do this thing, but I want to do this specific thing by this time. And here are my next three steps that I have to do to make it happen. That's how I like creating goals. And when I'm creating goals with my team, I don't necessarily create sales goals or production goals for them on an individual basis. I help them create individual goals that have to do with their life, whether it be working out, whether it be their diet whether it be the relationship with their kids or their wife or philanthropy or their church or whatever it is. Whenever it comes down to sales goals and performance goals, those are always team goals. Okay. As a team, we want to impact this many people's lives by closing this many home loans. And if we do this, I'm going to send all you guys to Disneyland, right? Like that, it's that type of stuff. Um, because, when you have a team goal, again, it creates more social responsibility and that's automatic accountability that I don't have to worry about. And you want to see a group of people pursue a goal then create a group goal. Um, individual sales goals do not have as much production and uh, goals that are outside of 90 days are hard to touch and feel and see and relate with every single day whenever you're doing your job. It's easy to lose sight of a, a goal, you know, that's that's 12 months out or five months out. But uh, to, to take action and pursue it with vigor, uh, they got to be shorter term. And then ideally, they got to be team goals. See, I love it. Just a different way of looking at it. You know what I mean? That's the I, you know, I sometimes I sound like a broken record. It's just because I, I truly believe in it. But, you know, the one thing that I love about our industry is that there's a thousand right ways to do things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the purpose of this association, this podcast is just to give people new ideas, better ideas, you know, that are going to make them better. And, and I mean, th that's exactly what you're doing over there at stewardship. So, you know, kudos to you on that one. And the other thing is uh, it, the, the way that you do things shouldn't be the same way your neighbor does it. The way that you do things should have to work with your leadership style, with your character, with who you are, right? Those character traits I talked about before, I just looked in the mirror and went deep inside and like, what's important to me, right? This whole idea that we're going to love people through finances, that sounds really weird in, in, in the mortgage world, but that's me. 
Like, I believe I'm put on this earth to love people well. Like, so, so it just aligns with my whole life goal, right? Um, so all the things that I do and, and, and try to exude in my workplace culture that I'm leading here is really an extension of, of me and what's important to me. So I would just suggest to anybody who's looking to build a team or evaluate, look at you and figure out what's important to you. Cause that's, that's really how you're going to be able to, to have success as you're leading other people. Phenomenal. Absolutely. Okay. I got a question. So tell me, tell me about your business a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go off here a little bit. Tell me about your business. Are you a purchase guy, a refi guy? You don't care. Um, how, obviously we know you're trying to help families, which is the number one, but do you have like a, do you have a certain way of going about your business? For sure. Um, so when I started the mortgage brokerage, I did it in a very, very unique way. Um, one of the things I didn't necessarily like was how in finances, a lot of the sales folks were genuinely incentivized to put consumers into a mortgage that may not be, be the best mortgage for them simply so that they could get paid more. I didn't, I didn't like that. So when I started not only the mortgage brokerage, but the independent insurance agency and the investment advisory, I did all of it fundamentally from a business process standpoint to uh, make sure that it was going to be consumer centric. So how does that work out in the mortgage world? Well, our fee structure is very, very, very unique. We charge a flat fee or a percentage, whichever is less. Really? So, yes. So it doesn't matter how big of a loan amount you're asking for. We cap our own income. And as what that's done, Mark, is it's attracted a lot of very higher end, high net worth customers because no one can compete with us in that. Right. And the reality is, those people who have really great credit, higher end net worth, have good income, they're easier to deal with. Yeah. Well, as a result, we're a little more efficient and we can work with more people at once. And when you create a fee structure that's so unique and different in the mortgage world, you yourself even said, really, uh, it kind of catches fire in a community and a bunch of realtors find out about it and they're like, whoa. Uh, and then they recognize that like, holy cow, you're, you're, you're doing something different here. And uh, be, so because of that, we do a lot of purchase business. Um, and it, it, that, that entire fee structure is something that kind of gave us and let us catch wind. But, but the big thing that has helped us uh, sustain even more purchase business and a ton of referrals from customers. So customer referrals, not realtor referrals, but customer referrals is our number one business source is We've genuinely done and been a customer-centric company from the beginning, not just from our processes of how we set up our compensation, but the actions that we take as a leadership team uh, day in and day out. We actively are engineering a brand new customer experience every single year, meaning we put ourselves in the customer's shoes. We try to identify what the process looks like from a big picture level to a small picture level, we get into the details and then we ask ourselves this question, which of those moments in the customer journey are extremely important? And how can we make sure that we take those important moments and create wow moments and create opportunities for them to tell others about us, to make it easy for them to tell others about us, but to create a moment that says, man, when that thing was over, holy cow, I can't believe they did that for me. Holy cow, they really do care about me. Man, they do want to love me and my family through this transaction. Wow. And uh, being customer-centric, that's that's really how we do business. Um, because of that, we, we've tracked a lot of purchase business. So we're mostly purchase. 
I'd say refis are kind of gravy for us. And uh, the, the, the practically how that looks is we, we cap our income and uh, we also get in the weeds and, and genuinely create um, as many customer engineering journeys and adjust it as often as we possibly can. Now, you said all, all great stuff. Don't get me wrong. But you said somewhere in there like you want to, you know, find like a certain moment. Can you give me an example of something that you do that's a little bit unique? Oh, yeah. Um, whenever they're being educated about the mortgage from the get-go. Let's just start at the beginning of the customer journey. They've recognized, okay, I might want to buy a house. Now I got to figure out how to, to purchase a home. So we, we thought to ourselves, all right, what does that feel like from a customer perspective? No matter who you are, no matter if you've done a loan before, or if you haven't done a loan before, there is an emotional barrier there. It's, it's an emotional process. It's not just a loan with numbers involved. It's going to buy at your home where you're going to raise children and sleep at night and have parties and build memories. A large percentage of your life will be spent in this building. There's emotions involved. So as a result of that, we've intentionally engineered an experience in our office to make it as comfortable as possible to help with those emotions. Everybody's office looks and feels like a living room. Everybody's office has a couch, has a coffee table, and everybody's office monitor is a 50-inch 4K television so that when we're talking to them about a home loan, when they sit down and get educated about home loans and how we do things, this free meeting that we don't charge money for, it's now a, a, a comfortable environment. And oh, by the way, when they walked into our lobby, that feels like a coffee shop, something else that they're comfortable with. We have you know, nitro cold brew coffee on tap or tea, and, and we serve them a drink. So right from the beginning, we're serving them, right? And they sit down on the couch with their spouse, and, and they're sipping on very tasty coffee and in a living room environment, kind of looking around like, what is this? Wow, this is different. And we educate them on the home loan process with crazy amounts of transparency, so much so that when we show them rate sheets, we literally log in to lenders' websites and say, hey, look, we could choose one of these different rates right. and that would impact the compensation that we have, but we cap our income. So no matter what you choose here, it's just going to go back to you to help pay for your costs because we're only going to get paid this much. They're like, why would you do that? Right. They, they ask those questions and they recognize and they feel and they experience trust. And once they experience that trust because of the comfort that they experienced before that, that allows them than to be maybe less emotional about the process and to have more joy throughout the process. Yeah, it opens them up a bit. I absolutely love that. Yeah, oh, yeah. They're at home. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I know I'm setting myself up for this one. <laughs> Do you believe that brokers need to find a niche? Um, I don't. Uh, I think that a lot of people can be successful with niches. I think I've seen a lot of people be successful with niches. Things from like, I'm the first time home buyer lender, or I'm the VA lender, or I'm the uh, whatever, the lender for teachers. I think that's great. I think you can have a niche. Um, but I obviously don't. Um, I not only do home loans, but we do insurance, and we do investments, and we do financial planning. Um, we do all of those things. I think our niche is loving people. That's it. And if we're genuinely going to try and love people the best that we can, I take this area of expertise that I have in finances and find as many possible ways that I can love people in my community through finances. 
Um, I don't have a specific demographic that we're going after. I don't care if you're 18 years old or if you're 80 years old. If you think the right way, if you have the character traits that, that, that we have at Stewardship, if you too as a customer are transparent, if you too as a customer are humble, if you too as a, as a customer are, are willing to, to be loving, innovative, we want to work with you. We want to work with you. So I guess, you know, if we niche, really what we niche down to is that we love people and we love people through finances and we do all kinds of different products and services. And um, we don't have like a target demographic. So it's hard for us to niche in that way. Um, we just have a target psychographic, how we want people to think when they engage with us. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily that type of person who says niche to grow rich. I'm the type of person that says, go serve and love as many people as you can. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Absolutely love this. Yeah. I mean, cause I've, I've, you know, with my own business, I've gone back and forth on that, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, when, when someone calls me on an out of the box situation, I know this person, I mean, I don't want to say, no, it's not mine. You know, it's not, I'm not, a, I mean, I'll tell them, I don't, I'm not the expert at this one. You know what I mean? But guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep you informed. I'm going to help you as best as I can and, and be upfront and honest with you throughout the whole process. Yeah, there's there's this legal word that's used a lot in finance. It's, it's called fiduciary, and mm -hmm. uh, the 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 simplest way to define, and even in legal settings, this word fiduciary is to know your client. Like that's the first rule of being a fiduciary to know your client. And I get pushback a lot of times. Um, to be honest with you, I feel like sometimes that pushback is jealousy. Uh, but but people will will come to me and say, Grant. Aren't, isn't that a conflict of interest if you're doing the insurance and you're doing the investments and you're doing the mortgage and all that? Well, first off, we don't commingle any funds. They're all separate entities. And my mortgage person doesn't get paid an extra commission if that their client also gets insurance through us. Right. We don't, we don't spiff them for that. Why do they refer them to the insurance person? Because they care about the insurance person in our office. They believe that the insurance is genuinely best for the customer. And oh, by the way, they love the customer. That's why they do it. And the reality is, I don't have a conflict of interest. I argue I'm a better fiduciary because now I know them better. I know more about their finances. So as a result, because of that knowledge that I have about their financial situation, I can serve them better. The true heart of being a fiduciary is to know your client and we're doing anything and everything that we can to know them and then love them well through every area of their finances that we can. Perfect. So perfect. It's not even funny. I mean, I'm telling you right now, as soon as, as, soon as we're done with this podcast, when I go back to my pipeline, I'm going to look at things differently. I promise you that. Mm. So, yeah. all right. I could, I could stay on this all day and talk to you. Um, really helping me, you know, it's helping a lot of people mentally. Uh, but so this is this is how I kind of close it out. Is, okay. Okay. You obviously we have this great community. If you have the floor, what advice, what tips, what comments, anything do you want to? Would you like to make to our community of mortgage brokers? Um, if I had to do it over again, Mark, one of the mistakes I think that I made, and I, I wish I would I would have done early on, and I think a lot of people right now are feeling this. Man, we're overwhelmed. We're busy. There's a lot of business going on. It's hard. And you're thinking about, you know, hiring a team, you're building a team, but you don't really know how or where to start. Or maybe you have a team and things are going okay, or maybe they're not going so well. I strongly recommend to everybody who's 
listening to this podcast. I don't care if you're a broker owner or if you're just a broker. Go get yourself a personal executive assistant. Go hire a personal executive assistant now. I'm not talking about somebody who's going to help you, you know, do admin work with processing and sending people to title and all that. Like go go to processor for that or outsource for a processor or do that yourself. I'm talking about a personal assistant that can take certain areas of your life and provide more margin to you. Somebody who can organize your inbox for you. Somebody who can take care of your calendar for you. Someone who can make sure that you're getting a date with your spouse once a week, finding the restaurant and finding babysitters and finding the, uh, um, where you're, again, where you're going to eat and, and making that reservation. I'm talking about somebody who's going to use DoorDash and make sure you eat lunch every day. And, and they're going to have access to your credit card and buy you lunch. You know, I'm talking about somebody who is willing to run errands and pick up your dry cleaning uh, from time to time. Uh, things that you have to do that don't seem like it's a lot and it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. But if you add it all up, it's probably a good five, maybe 10 hours of your week that you're spending doing this stuff. And this personal assistant will add margin to your life. But here's the key, Mark. It teaches you how to manage people. It's hard figuring out how to manage a team of people when you've never done it before. And you can read all the books you want, but but really you got to experience it. And when you have a personal assistant, it's like a real low barrier to entry and a great place to start of what that engagement looks like from employer to employee right? It's a real great way to get your feet wet in this and to, to gain an understanding of how you could potentially lead people well. And for those of the people who are listening, like, oh, I can't afford a personal assistant. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Uh, you don't need somebody that you have to pay them full time and $40,000 a year or $80,000 a year or whatever. Mark, do you have any idea how many people are sitting at home right now at stay home parents that just aren't employed, but they have to stay home because they want to? And they want to stay home as a parent. Mark, there are tons of people right now, unbelievably skilled folks. I mean, that are wiping heinies and cleaning up Cheerios, but they can't use their skills day in and day out. Yet they don't want to go and get a job because they love being a parent. Right. So you can give somebody an opportunity to use these skills, use these abilities that they have, and then also allow them to be a part of something greater, this purpose of helping people through home ownership by helping you and organizing your life better. And again, they have amazing skills and talents. And to me, I, I, there isn't a greater way to make an awesome impact on somebody's life than through employment. And it doesn't have to be 20 hours a week, 40 hours a week. It can just be five hours, 10 hours, right? You're talking, you know, 600 bucks a month if you're that's $30 an hour if it's five hours a week. You know, what's right. $600 to you as a broker or a broker owner? Uh, yet you get all kinds of value in return, not just margin to your life. That's so that you can focus in areas that are most important, but you get this, a valuable lesson in learning how to manage and lead somebody. Yeah, and then with with what the way you're doing it, I mean, basically you're freeing up your time to help your community even more. Now. Yeah, yeah, so Mark. I, I own a mortgage brokerage, an insurance agency, investment management firm, financial planning firm. I wrote a best-selling book. I'm in the process of writing my second book. I own a software company. I do two podcasts. I have 
uh, a videos, two videos that we release every week. And, and I do a blog every week. How the heck am I supposed to do all that? I post on social media every day. You think I do that on my own? Like it's the team. Right. And a huge part of that is this is an executive assistant that I have. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, a, it's absolutely key. And I highly recommend everybody explore that. No, that's, that's great. I mean, and especially if you're a good person, those, you know, your executive system wants to be around you more. They want to help you more. And then it just, it just keeps going and going as far as like wildfire. Oh yeah. I, my executive assistant, uh, it's funny that you're saying this yesterday, just accepted a promotion internally, uh, from the private lending division of what we do here at stewardship. And, um, she's crying, you know, I'm, I'm getting emotional. Um, cause she doesn't want to leave. She, she loves, absolutely loves helping me. Like, it seems weird. Like, oh yeah, I get an executive assistant. I'm just going to give them the stuff I don't want to do, or they're going to do the stuff I don't want to do. You don't understand. There's people out there who love doing that stuff. Right. There's people out there who love playing the support role. And she loved playing that support role. She she had a relationship with my wife. She had a relationship with my kids. She loved that. Um, and she's sad that she has to leave that. But that sadness, Mark, to be honest with you, is just a sign that we did it right. Yep. Absolutely. If I was excited that she was leaving and she was excited that she was leaving, it would probably wouldn't have been a good, good fit. Um, I, you know, she's going to kick butt in this new role and I'm excited for her and what that means. Um, and she knows that she's going to do really well too, because she has so many skills and abilities. Um, but yeah, I think the sadness, it, 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 it just shows, I think that she was how good she was and, and how great, um, of a role it was and a fit. So amazing. Grant, you, uh, you crushed it today for us and for, for, you know, the rest of this community. I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for just like you said, you're, we're all busy and you're obviously extremely busy, but you know, thank you for taking time to share and to help us and to help make this community better. Oh man, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I genuinely mean this, man. I'm honored. I'm great. Grateful. I believe in the mortgage broker every year when I re renew my license, I have the opportunity to change to a different way of doing it. And I know statistically with data and evidence that there's no better way to get a home loan than through the independent broker. And um, if there's anything that I can do, to help brokers better serve their community. That means I'm helping make the world a better place. I'm trying to create the world that I want to live in better, that my kids are going to grow up into. And you gave me an opportunity to do that today. And uh, for that, Mark, I'm grateful. So thank you. Uh, our pleasure. And you know, trust me, we're honored to have you. So everyone, that was that was, uh, that was Grant. He did a phenomenal job. Um, I just, once again, I can't thank you enough. So we're going to close it out here today. So Grant, thank you for sharing your insights with us. Brokers, if you want to get caught up on all of our pod, our past podcast episodes, please head over to aimgroup.com and go to our Broker to Broker channel. Uh, you, you can listen to all the Broker to Broker podcast episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and Google, anywhere else where you can download podcasts. Do me a favor, please rate our podcast and leave a review and subscribe. It helps us get the podcast out there and spreads the word that brokers are better. Grant, once again, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you, Mark. Spread the word about the Brokers Are Better movement by wearing our t-shirts. Head over to aimgroup.com to buy your Brokers Are Better t-shirts and find lots of other items perfect for yourself, your team, and your community.